So we get ready to, to open up the words, and I'd already told you I want to talk to you about God's protection. So um, had a couple interesting conversations lately that I want to share with you to kind of start and, and, and set the tone for this. You guys know I went on this road trip, most of you know, with my dad. We went to, to the West. We went to the Grand Canyon. We got to see some really amazing things. But the, the real goal for me wasn't so much the scenery as it was the time with my dad. Uh, the conversations with my dad. My dad's 73 years old, uh, and, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be here. Hopefully, he's here for another 30 years. You know, hopefully, he gets to meet his great-great-grandkids. Uh, but, but realistically speaking, there, there's a shelf life, and, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. So I got a chance to do this while he was still up to it, while his mind is still sharp, while he still remembers things, and, and I could pick his brain. And we had a lot of really cool conversations. One of the conversations I wasn't expecting was about a car accident I got in when I was 18 years old. Uh, so we were, I don't know if I was driving badly or what, but dad brings up this accident that I had been in. And so what happened was I, I was a senior in high school. In fact, I had just graduated. I was about three weeks post high school graduation. Uh, and my parents had bought me for high school graduation. They had bought me a Dodge Stealth. Now, if you're a student in the 662, you're like, okay, lame. Uh, in, in 1999, when I graduated, this was a good car to have. Uh, th th this was a cool thing. And so I was thrilled with it. I, in fact, I took, I got some graduation money from my grandparents and I blew it on new wheels for the car. So I put it on aluminum wheels and just completely wasted all of it. Uh, but it looked good for a little while, uh, for a very, very short little while, actually, uh, because this one night I was out and I was at my girlfriend's house, and curfew was coming, and we were watching, I still know what you did last summer, I still remember that, uh, and, and it was getting towards the ends of the movie, and I knew I had to go, but I wanted to see how it ended, and so finally I left before the movie ended, and I was late. So what do you do when you're late? You think you can make up time with the gas pedal, right? So, so the, this girl happened to live out in the country. Now, my parents live in, in the country in North Carolina, but she lived in the country of the country. Uh, and so she lived 30 minutes away over these winding, kind of not mountainous, but hilly roads. And, and, and so I was going to try to make up this time driving around these curves in my little, new little sports car. And I just repaved the road, and, and I drove off on the right shoulder, like my front right wheel went off, and I did what every inexperienced driver does, I overcorrected. So I pulled the car back up onto the road to the left, and I did a full 360 and another three quarters of a turn, so what is that, like a 630 or something? Uh, wasn't quite a 720, but it was over a 5, 540, uh, and, and ended in the ditch, in fact, down the hill on the other side of the road, and, and backed it in, literally, I wish I had a picture I could show you, backed it in in between three trees. Tree on the right, tree on the left, tree behind me. Uh, and, and down like a 12-foot embankment. Miraculously, I was fine. Uh, in, in fact, I, I stepped out of the car and I cut my face on a tree branch, and that was my only injury from the accident, which was pretty ironic. Um, but long, long story short, God's protection was, was ridiculous. Um, it, it, the, the people who saw where the vehicle was, the tow truck driver, the police officer, my girlfriend's parents, my parents, like it was a whole big ordeal. Um, everybody was, was amazed that I didn't hit one of those trees doing about 70, 75 miles an hour around these curves, um, could, could have been significantly bad, should have been probably significantly bad. And, and the amazing thing was 
we found right there at the scene of the accident, uh, we, we found a horseshoe. That tells you how country this was. Uh, literally, there had been a horse running through here, but it was a horseshoe that had been curved, and it was shaped like, like the Christian fish. And so I, we took that not as a sign that this horseshoe had protected me, of course, but as a sign that God was saying, hey, I was here. I was looking out for you. I was protecting you. And so I held on to that fish. I had it actually on my dorm room in college. I had it on the bulletin board. I had like pictures of my wreck. I was real proud of my stupidity. Uh, and, and, and I always had the chance to remember that God was looking out for me. Now here it is almost 20 years later. I haven't thought about that story in quite a while. It hasn't come up in, in quite a while. But my dad brought it up, and my dad specifically brought up the horseshoe. He's like, man, how awesome was it that God was looking out for you? He's like, we could have lost you that night. I could have lost my son. He's like, we could, we could have missed out on this road trip because of that accident. But God was looking out. And, and then I was thinking about that this past week as, as my dad had brought that up. And then yesterday, I get a phone call and a text, or a few texts actually from David Walquist. Uh, everybody say, what's up, Dave? So, so David reached out to me and he actually texted me uh, a photo of, of a car wreck. And he said, call me. So I call him, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared because this is a bad-looking wreck. And I'm like, dude, are you okay? Is everybody okay? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm fine. This was Sunday night. I'm like, okay, two days ago, you could have said, hey, everybody's okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, but, but so he sends me these pictures. In fact, I think I've got a few of them. Go ahead and throw, start throwing those up. We'll, we'll scroll through. So this is one. Go ahead and go to the next. I'll tell you about the wreck after you see the, the damage. I think we got two more. That one and, and one more. So... These four pictures are, are from, uh, make sure I get this, Dawson. Dalton, I was like debating Dalton, Dawson, Dalton, Dawson. Okay, Dalton, I apologize. So Dalton is, is one of uh, Dave's family friends and a young man who, who's actually here with us tonight, uh, alive, first and foremost. We can give God some praise for that. <laughs> Dalton, how old are you? 17 years old. Uh, so what happened was, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is more your story than mine by far. Uh, so, so Dalton was driving down the interstate, I-40, correct? Uh, and, and he was behind somebody, and the person in front of him swerved because there's a semi-truck that had stopped in front of them. And the other person swerved, and Dalton tried to swerve, but he didn't have enough time. And so he hit the semi-truck. Go ahead and go back to that first picture, if you would. Um, hit the semi-truck. Right there, uh, on the passenger side, uh, in, in such a way that the, the truck is, as you can see, completely destroyed. Uh, now, this happened Sunday night. Not only is Dalton live, uh, he's here. You can look at him and see uh, his face still looks beautiful. Uh, he, he didn't even get the scratch on his face like I did from the tree. Uh, he, he, he's got no broken bones completely, completely protected in the midst of a wreck much worse than mine, um, a, a wreck that by all rights should have taken his life. Um, now, the hard thing to talk about when we, when we share testimonies like this is there's going to be somebody in this room who knows somebody who didn't make it out of that wreck, right? There's somebody here who, who has that friend who, well, how come God didn't protect in this situation? How come this didn't happen? How come this person was protected, but, but my loved one was not? And the reality is I can't answer that question for you. I can't tell you why stupid 18-year-old Troy 
survived his wreck. I can't tell you why 17-year-old Dalton survived his wreck and, and, and your loved one did not. But I can tell you this. God's word talks a lot about his protection. God loves his people. And God is a protecting God. Now, now we live in a fallen and broken world. And sometimes in this fallen and broken world, tragedy happens. Sometimes in this fallen and broken world, heartbreak happens. Sometimes people get broken. Uh, but, but God's heart is to protect his people. And so I want to share with you the, this famous chapter, this, this famous declaration of God's protection. And I want to go through it, and, and we're going to come back through it a, a little bit later, and we're going to see five different types of protection God promises, five different things that God's going to protect us from. Um, but before we get into Psalm 91, I wanted to read you this very quickly. Today, of course, is, is D-Day, the anniversary of, uh, of the American troops invading the, the coast of Normandy and, and going in and, and being able to take out the Germans. And man, so many lives were laid down for our protection. Obviously, many, many years ago, most of us weren't around during World War II. A few of us may have been, um, but, but a very historic day in our nation's history, a, a very legendary day. And I, I found this, uh, which I thought was really interesting. How many of you know who Jimmy Stewart was? I, I know there's going to be a lot who have no idea. All right. So some of us know who Jimmy Stewart was. Jimmy Stewart was a very famous actor. Uh, in, in fact, he, he played in the movie Prime. Most people will know him for is It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, he, he was in a lot of other famous movies as well, but that's the one that's kind of endured where younger people have, may have seen it. Uh, but Jimmy Stewart was, was obviously a, a huge actor. Um, and he uh, was called into military service in the United States Army Air Corps in 1941. He went to World War II. He went to fight those Germans. Um, and so when he enlisted and was preparing to go overseas, his dad, whose name was Alex, was, was so choked up when he went to tell Jimmy goodbye that he couldn't even talk. Knowing my son's going to war, a war that would take hundreds of thousands of American lives. Uh, as he got ready to say goodbye to his son, he handed him a letter. He couldn't talk, so he handed him a note. And after Jimmy left, he, he opened this, re- this letter and he read it, and he held on to it throughout his time in service. It says this, it says, My dear Jim boy, soon after you read this letter, you'll be on your way to the worst sort of danger. Jim, I'm banking on the enclosed copy of the 91st Psalm. The thing that takes the place of fear and worry is the promise of these words. I am staking my faith in these words. I feel sure that God will lead you through this mad experience. I can say no more. I only continue to pray. Goodbye, my dear. God bless you and keep you. I love you more than I can tell you. Dad. See, Alex, dad, was a veteran of the Spanish-American War. He had seen some of the sorts of atrocities that his son was getting ready to see. Not on the same scale, not, not, not on the same uh, level of, of torment that they were able to witness from the, the Nazis. But he had a glimpse. He had an idea. And he knew the comforting power of Psalm 91. In fact, verses 1 and 2 were the verses that he had stood on as he was at war as a young man. And he passed those on to his son, Jimmy. Jimmy Stewart returned home a decorated war hero, unharmed, despite going out in over 20 missions, combat missions. During the height of the battle, Jimmy Stewart said that he learned to lean on the words of his tattered copy of Psalm 91 that his father had given him, especially verses 1 and 2. 
which speak of God as a refuge and a fortress. Upon returning home, Jimmy said this to his father. He said, what a promise for an airman. I placed in his hands the squadron I would be leading. And as the psalmist promised, I felt myself raised up. Psalm 91, famous passage. The passage is that, that many have stood on for God's protection. And we're going to read through it together. And then we're going to go through it and, and, and pull out some things from it. But check this out with me. Psalm 91 says this. says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Would you pray with me very quickly? Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for your hand of protection on me 20 years ago. God, I thank you for your hand of protection on Dalton three nights ago. God, I thank you that you are a God who protects. You are a God who loves your people. You are a God who is looking out for those who are going through scary situations for those who are under attack. God, we thank you for your protection and we speak it over your people right now. God, I pray that you would help us to leave here tonight with a greater faith in your protection, with a greater understanding of your protection, with a greater desire to be in the shadow of the most high, God, because we understand that that is where your protection lies. Draw us closer to you tonight, God. Give us greater faith in you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So there's a lot of debate about Psalm 91 among Bible scholars, right? And really, you could say that about almost every passage of Scripture. Uh, there's people who see things differently. But this one, there, there's basically three camps. There's those who read Psalm 91 and they think this is, this, it's a history book. It's a statement of what God had done for Israel. Specifically, it's referring back to what God did for Moses and the, the Israelites as the plagues came on Egypt. And, and despite the, the destruction so close, that the plagues did not harm the Israelites. Then there's those who think that this is a prophetic chapter, that, that, that it hints of the, the messianic reign, the millennial rule of a thousand years where Jesus come, returns and is, has some language very similar to Isaiah 66 and Isaiah 12, which are prophetic and, and talk about how the, the lion and the cobra, you'll trample on them and those types of things. And then there's those, of course, who read it and they think it's a promise for today that this is a statement of what God is currently doing. 
Now, I think there's truth in all three of those things. I think the psalmist drew on the history of Israel and how God had protected Israel as he was inspired to speak of God's protection. I think the psalmist was inspired to write about some things that that will not happen until after Jesus has returned and a full level of protection is instituted as God is fully here and his reign is instituted on earth. But I think the psalmist was talking about right now, today. As as he thought of the past and looked to the future, I think he realized what God was up to today. Let let me give you some verses to speak to that. Uh, Primarily, in fact, we're going to skip down a couple slides, Mel. There's a slide for verse 9 and 10. I want to read this. There's a conditional statement here. This is why I think it's for today. If it was a past, there doesn't need to be a condition. It would just be this is what God did. If it was future, the statement would be this, this will come. One day this will be. But the conditional statement says this. He says, if you say the Lord is my refuge. Everybody say, if you say. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, then no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Verse 1 actually opens up and says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What's the statement here? He says, if you realize that God's your refuge and you declare that he is, if you remain in the shadow of the Most High, if you get close to him, if you dwell with him, not just you, you have a little bit of him in your life, not just you've received him as your Savior, but man, if you're close If you're pressing in, if you're in his presence, there's protection there. Now, all of us know somebody who maybe wasn't close to God who still received his protection. That's God's amazing grace, right? All of us probably know somebody who was close to God who from our earthly perspective seems like they didn't receive God's protection. But I believe that there's, first and foremost, this is a a spiritual chapter. It's a promise of spiritual protection. It's a promise of emotional protection. It's a promise that even if things come your way, God's protecting you through them. You see, sometimes God protects us from danger, and sometimes God protects us through danger, right? Sometimes God protects us from pain, and sometimes he protects us in pain. Sometimes God protects us from attack, and sometimes God protects us in the attack, And I believe Psalm 91 is promising those things, that God is going to protect his people. It may not always look the way that we like it to or the way that we think it should look, but God's protection will be there if, if you call him your refuge, if you dwell in his shadow, if you dwell in his presence, there's protection there when we do those things. I see in this chapter five different types of attack, five different types of problems, five different types of pain, five different types of of issues that he promises his protection from. I want to give you these five, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, at the end of service, we're not going to wrap up like we normally do. We're, we're, We're going to claim God's protection over our families, over our marriages, over our kids, over our jobs, over our finances, over our health. We're going to believe that God is who he says he is. We're going to believe that God does what he says he does. We're going to believe that this is the God that we serve. We're going to press in, and we're going to take some time together to believe him for some protection. We're going to speak some protection for our country. We're going to speak some protection for our region, for our area. We're going to believe God for protection. Amen? Here's the types of things that God's word promises in Psalm 91 he'll protect us from. Number one, unexpected disasters. 
unexpected disasters. Verse 3 says, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, snare and the deadly pestilence. The fowler's snare, uh, a fowler was somebody who caught birds, right? And his snare was a, it was a bird trap. And so if, if when a bird gets caught in a trap, it's not something that he's aware of was there. It's something that unexpectedly, boom, you're caught, right? Sometimes there's unexpected disasters that come our way. But we, we, we traveled out west, and my mom gets really nervous about everything, really just about everything. But my mom gets really nervous about everything when, when it comes to the west because there's earthquakes, and there's volcanoes, and there's like these, these big natural disasters, right? So, so we spent a night in a town called Raton, New Mexico. Our last night on the way home was in Raton, New Mexico, a little bitty town in the northeast corner right on the Colorado border, not far from Texas. Well, there have been some forest fires the past week that, that, that started about an hour west of Raton, New Mexico, and, and actually reached Raton, uh, I believe, yesterday or the day before. So I got a Facebook message from my mom, and she's freaking out. She's like, isn't this where you guys were? And it's like, yes. She's like, and then she said this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. She said, I prayed that if there were any natural disasters, they would come before you got there or after you left. I'm like, thank you from the people of Raton, Mom. Um, like... <laughs> Sure, they appreciate that. But, but, but my mom was like, I, I prayed that those disasters wouldn't strike. And as much as my mom, like, sometimes I, I think she worries too much, man, I have no idea how, man, how much she's protected me from, how much her prayers have spared me from, how much her faith, because she's dwelt in the shadow of the Most High, how many unexpected disasters Dalton can tell you, man, you don't go out driving on I-40 expecting to run up under a semi-truck. That's an unexpected disaster. You don't expect to park your car backwards in between three trees, 70 miles an hour down on on a country road. It's an unexpected disaster, something you don't expect. It's the fowler's snare. It's the trap that the enemy sets that, that you're not seeing ahead of, that you're not anticipating, that boom comes out of nowhere. And even though we don't see it coming, we serve a God who does. We serve a God who is never surprised. We serve a God who goes before us, who protects us in those situations and even puts a little horseshoe right there shaped like a Jesus fish just to remind you I was here. I came before you, Troy. I knew you were going to park your car right here. I knew you were going to run off this road. I was ready. Why? Because he's the God who rescues us. From the fowler's snare. He prevents unexpected disasters in our life. The next thing that, that he protects us from is from fears and terrors. Verse 5 it says, You will not fear the terror of the night. Oh, I think that's my favorite verse in the whole thing because I think I've seen more of God's people destroyed by fear than I've seen God's people destroyed by unexpected disaster. I think I've seen more of God's people bound up and, and prevented from living the life God called them to and prepared them for from fear than, than from anything that the enemy can come up with. Man, fear paralyzes us, doesn't it? Fear prevents us from, from serving God. It prevents us from sharing our faith. It, it prevents us from enjoying the creation that God's, that God's blessed us with. It prevents us from, from walking in joy and peace that God created us for. 
that God's promised us. Fear is our enemy as believers. Now, obviously, there, there, there's that fear of like, okay, I've touched a hot oven or a hot stove. I'm not going to touch it again because I'm right. Like there's, there's fear. There's some wisdom and some like practical fear. That's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. That's not the kind of fear God's wanting to protect you from, right? Like there's common sense fear that's good. Okay, I'm not going to walk over the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? That would not be smart. Like, trust me, there was, there was some rational fear while I was there. I got a three-year-old. I got to make sure this kid doesn't get too close to the edge. He's quicker than I am. I got to be one step ahead of him. I got to outthink him because he can outmove me, right? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the terror. I'm talking about the stuff that keeps you up at night. I'm talking about the stuff that prevents you from walking and the stuff that God has created you for. God's promise is he'll protect you from fear. He'll protect you from terror. He says, surely God will save you from the fowler's snare and you will not fear the terror of night. I believe strongly God's people don't have to live in fear. I believe fear is a choice. I believe we've got the option to take authority over that thought, to take authority over that feeling and to bind it and cast it out or, or to let us completely wrap us up. Man, I've seen I'm, I'm a youth pastor historically, right? Like I've spent more time with young people than anybody. Can I tell you how many mamas I've seen lose their minds when their kid went off to college? And I mean, not, not just like the, hey, I'm going to be interceding all night long and covering my kid in prayer, which I thank God that my mom interceded all night long for me. But I'm talking about the, man, life just stopped because my baby left. And every possible scenario just beats them down and sucks the life out of them and sucks the joy out of them. And, man, that's not God's best. That's not what God called you for. His promise is I'll protect you from the fear and the terror of night. But we got to stand on it. we got to walk in it. we got to receive it. we got to let him give us that protection. So he protects us from unexpected disaster. He protects us from fear and terror. Number three, he protects us from personal attacks. Verse five says, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. I read that today, the arrow that flies by day, and it made me think of, uh, of our final installment of our Ephesians series. We're not there yet, week 12 of, of our series. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter six. And it talks about the armor of God, right? And what does it say in this famous passage about the armor of God? Ephesians 6.16, it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. What's the shield of faith do? It extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. How do, how do we protect ourselves from the arrows? Why do I, why do I call it personal attacks? Because the, there, there, there's things that naturally happen, right? Because we live in a fallen, broken world. There's things that just go wrong. And then there's things where the enemy is trying to take you out. The flaming arrows, that's the enemy trying to take you out. That's the enemy trying to take out your marriage. It's the enemy trying to take out your job, trying to take out your faith, trying to take out your body. That's the enemy bringing sickness. Like, that's the enemy bringing something designed. You're a, you're a child of God. You carry God's image. I don't like you. I'm trying to take you out. And God's word says, I'll protect you from personal attack. What do you got to do? You got to raise that shield of faith. You got to raise it up. It's not going to extinguish the arrows by itself. You got to lift it. You got to take it up, right? It says, put on these things. Put on the, the, the belt of truth. Put on the feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Put on the, the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take up the shield of faith. In other words, it doesn't just happen because I'm a Christian. I got to choose 
day by day by day, I'm going to raise my shield of faith. I'm going to rebuke that lie from the enemy. I'm going to stand against that attack. I'm going to stand for my family. One of, one of the reasons why I chose to share that story of Jimmy Stewart with you, I already had two illustrations. I had one of my situation. I had one of Dalton's. I didn't need another illustration. Why did I use that? Because I love that he said, I prayed this over my squadron. He became a squadron leader. And instead of just claiming it for himself, he started claiming it for the people under his authority. I believe that God's given us authority. Parent, he's given you authority. Husband, he's given you some authority in your family, right? He's given us authority over our ministries. He's given us authority in our workplaces. He's given us authority and dominion. And how many of us don't exercise it? Man, tap into the authority God's given you. Take authority over that stuff. You see that attack coming? You see that sickness coming? You see that financial destruction coming? Man, take authority over that. Stand against it. He's given you that authority. He's going to protect us from personal attacks. Number four, destruction to your productivity. Verse six says this, talking again. He said, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that's, that destroys at midday. The plague that destroys at midday. This is where I think he's, he's reflecting back on the plagues of Egypt. He's reflecting back on these things that struck Egypt. And, and what did those plagues do? They, they did a lot of things. They brought fear. They brought terror. Obviously, they demonstrated God's power. But one of the things they did, man, is they just destroyed productivity. Livestock, dead. Blood in the water. You can't grow your crops anymore. All this productivity just stopped dead in the water. Now, now I know the enemy loves to attack productivity. He loves to slow us down, doesn't he? He loves to distract us. He, he, he loves to set those snares and just keep us from accomplishing the things with our day that are going to be most productive for God's kingdom. And God's promise, I'll even protect you from destruction to your productivity. Man, even when, even when everybody around you, even when your coworkers can't be productive, it doesn't mean you can't be productive. Even when, you, when those other students can't pay attention to class, young person, you got the Holy Spirit living in you, you got the ability to focus for that test. You got the ability to tap in to what God wants to teach you. You don't have to be unproductive just because the people around you are unproductive. He'll protect your productivity. We got to access it. We got to believe it. We got to stand on it. We got to receive it. Last thing I believe he promises in Psalm 91, he'll protect us from. Verse 12 says, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Strike your foot against the stone. What, what, what is that? What does that sound like to you? Strike your foot against the stone? That sounds like you tripped. You fell, right? It's accidents. He promises he'll protect us from accidents, doesn't he, Dalton? Praise God. He protects us from some accidents. Sometimes he protects us from the accident, and sometimes he lets the accident happen and just protects us in the accident. I don't know how many accidents I haven't had because of God's protection. Man, between a praying mom and a praying grandma and, and, and man, just the Holy Spirit and the angels that he sent watching over me, I bet there's a whole lot of accidents I could have been in that I just never know, that I just never experienced, that I've been protected from, but I've had a couple I've been protected in those accidents. Sometimes, man, we just trip. Sometimes we don't see something coming and we, and we strike our foot against the stone. God says, I got your back then too. 
protect you from the attack of the enemy. I'll protect you from unexpected destruction that, 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 that strikes across everything. I'll protect your productivity. I'll protect you from fear. And I'll even protect you from accidents. That's the God we serve. Now, we live in a fallen, broken world. God doesn't promise nothing's ever going to happen to us. He doesn't promise as a Christian that everything's always going to be okay. He doesn't promise there will be no pain. He doesn't even promise there will be no death. Sometimes those things do happen. Sometimes those unexpected things do strike. But even in death, God is protecting his children. Even in death, he's taking us to a new place where he says there will be no more pain and no more sorrow. Where it says he'll wipe away every tear. Now, why does he say he'll wipe away every tear? Because there's still going to be some things to cry about. There's still going to be some, some, some issues. There's still going to be some stuff we got to work out. But Jesus is going to be right there. He's going to say, I got you. We're going to get through this together. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you joy and peace like you've never even fathomed. Like you've never even imagined. But in the meantime, he's given us Psalm 91 many other passages. I'm a big believer that, that God's word works when we stand on it. That we got to activate it, that we got to speak it, that we got to claim it, that we got to pray it, that it's there for us as a guide, that we can stand on that authority that, man, God's promised. He's going to protect his people. He's going to give his angels watch over us. Man, we, before we go on trips, we, we, we claim, God, we thank you. You sent your angels above, below, left, right, before and behind. That your angels are watching over us every single direction. I didn't even tell you this. We we had a blowout going 85 miles an hour on the interstate in New Mexico, which is not against the law. Uh, New Mexico is a cool state. Uh, we, We had a blowout, back rear tire, boom, like that. God protected us. No accident. Didn't swerve out in front of somebody. We didn't get clipped. We didn't run off the road. Didn't even do any damage to the vehicle. Put the little donut on it and prayed over it 55 miles an hour until we got to Albuquerque and get some new tires. But we were able to. The donut made it. 12 years old donut. Never been used donut. Talk about some prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your protection. This thing's not going to rot. It's not going to fall apart. Made it. We got it out there as quick as we could. Let me tell you that. We serve a God who protects. We serve a God who cares about his people. We serve a God kept a 17-year-old young man alive. And Dalton, I'll tell you this, I believe he kept you alive for a reason. I believe he kept me alive at 18 for a reason. I don't think it was an accident. I think he had a purpose for him. I think he's got a purpose for you. He wants you to be able to share that story. He wants you to be able to encourage some people. He wants you to be a testimony for him. That's why he protects. So that you can go out and declare his goodness, declare his glory. He also protects because he loves you, because he cares about you. That's the God we serve. So here's what I want to do, church. If you you would, would would you stand with me? And I don't know what this message speaks to for you. For some of you, it's it's a sickness maybe in your own body or a sickness in a loved one's body that you're immediately thinking of. God, we need your protection. For some of you, it's you're a parent, man. I got a three-year-old and a two-year-old, and they need all kinds of protection. They are destructive, right? Like... Finding ways to destroy new things. I don't know 
what, what you think of when you think of God's protection. What do you need his protection? Maybe, maybe it's in your finances right now. Maybe the, the numbers don't add up. You're facing bankruptcy. You're facing losing your home. I don't know what it might be, but I, knew, I know this. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a God who does things that don't make sense. We serve a God who protects his people, but he says this, don't forget, it's not just a promise that he'll protect, it's a promise he'll protect if, he says this, he says, if you say the Lord is my refuge, would you just say that out loud? Can we just practice that? The Lord is my refuge. Come on, let's say it again. The Lord is my refuge. What does that mean? It means he's where I go when I need help. He's where I go when I need protection. He's the place where I can be safe. I'm safe in him. He's my refuge. I don't think it just happens because we say it. I think what the psalmist is speaking to the heart. Man, that yes, it's coming off my lips, but it's coming off my lips because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Lord is my refuge. He protects me. He's a God of protection. So, so he promises that, that if I say the Lord is my refuge, and then he says, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. So here's what we're going to do in just a minute. Uh, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to ask you right where you're at to pray God's protection over whatever it is that you, you feel. I need to claim his protection in this area. Maybe it's over your house. Maybe you live in a rough part of town, and, and there's some crime going on around you, and you just need to claim God's protection, his angels watching over your home. I don't know what it is, but we're, we're, we're going to pray that. But if you can say, man, I... He isn't really my refuge and I'm not really dwelling in the shadow of the Most High, then I want you to take this time to do that. Get that right. Talk to him. Ask him. God, forgive me for not giving you that place, but I'm going to press into you because I believe that you're a God who protects and I need your protection. My family needs your protection. My marriage needs your protection. My job, I need your protection. God, we need your protection. So we're going to claim his protection, but if we need to do some, some business with him, I just want to release you just to take care of whatever you need to. If you want to pray with somebody, if you got family you want to pray over, man, uh, just feel free. Man, you, you got a friend you want to join in, in agreement with? I want you to have freedom in this time. We're going to go before God for his protection. I'm going to pray very quickly and then I'm going to release you too. Father God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for the pleasure, the honor of speaking into their lives today. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, you are a God of truth. You are a God whose promises are yes and amen. You are a God who protects us from the fowler's snare, who protects us from the fear of the terror at night. God, you're a God who protects us from our foot being caught in a stone. You protect us from accidents, God. You protect us from destruction of our productivity. You protect your people, God. So we thank you for your protection. We thank you that you've given us authority to lift up the shield of faith. God, authority to trample on, on serpents and scorpions, God. In other words, authority to, to, to follow your purpose and your call in our lives without fear of the attack the enemy can bring against us. So God, help us to walk in that authority. Help us to walk in that boldness. God, help us to claim your protection in Jesus' name.